everyone. Welcome to the pod. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And I'm Alice. And I'm Jasper. And we're saying peace as we leave town. And you're listening to Tuesdays After Twilight. We've gotten so speedy at it. We're professionals, baby. <laughs> How is your professional week going? It's going pretty great. I had a very slow weekend. I was on call with the funeral home, but it was actually like a really quiet weekend, which like never happens. So I'm just very appreciative that I was able to get my things done. I read freaking Breaking Dawn. I got paid to read Breaking Dawn this weekend. It was awesome. Um, Yeah, it's been pretty, pretty great. Like uh, it's been a nice little quiet, well-needed time in my life. I love that so much. I feel like we should all be paid to read Breaking Dawn because Stephanie Meyer needs to pay us for the bullshit that she put us through. <laughs> she owes me money. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, I work for an education organization. And so we have, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, but we have like a school calendar. And so basically I get like a, a winter break. That's I think like 12 days or something. And so it's feeling very much like the end of the semester right now. And it feels a little bit like finals. I'm not going to lie, because I got a lot to do. And my last day is a week from tomorrow. So I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I I have always been interested in jobs where you get school breaks. That I think that's why being a teacher interested me for a long time, because I'm like, I want a winter break. I want spring break. Yeah, I kind of had that same thing. And I love like the like the routine of school and how like just like um regimented it is um I will say we don't get summer breaks that's the one I mean that'd be crazy actually that's not even true because some of our program staff does take the entire summer off because they're like in schools but they don't get paid and I do not have that option so I'd just be scooting still but it is really nice what are you gonna do with your winter break what's what's in store for Emily I honestly don't know. I'm kind of scared to answer that question because last year was the first year I got it because I've been with this company like a year and a half now. And um, Jacob got COVID, so I literally quarantined my entire break. So I'm a little scared to say. Um, I guess I'll do what the universe brings me. I love that. You can't jinx that. Exactly. Um, do you have anything else new that you want to share? Should we hit a recommendation? I have something very minor to share. Um, we, I mentioned it I, either last week or the week before, but I've been re-listening to old episodes, and I finally found where I first started saying weird shit on the podcast. So the first episode where it's like really something weird is episode 10. It's called Barrel of Raw Sewage Toxic. And I say something like, shine your rays out into the, a classic page ender. And then the next week, you don't ask me if I <laughs> if I want to say anything else. I think you learned your lesson. But then the following week, episode tw- 12, titled Edwin, um, you ask me and I say, be nice to animals. And then I think, I mean, that's as far as I've gotten for, like, ending episodes. So I don't know if it will continue but so far there have been two page thoughts at the end i'll keep you posted when it really does feel like a regular thing but if you'd like to hear the origins of page thoughts you can listen to those episodes 
Thank you for sharing that. I was actually very interested in that. Um, yeah, and do keep us posted on if it continues. I It literally just hit me in this moment that I feel like I started doing that because I hate a conclusion. Like I hate, like even in papers. So I was like, mm, I'll make Paige do it. <laughs> and it's really funny you say that because in the endings for papers, I always do a joke. I always do it. I end it on some kind of pun or like some kind of witty wordplay that has to do with the title or the theme of the paper. So it all fits. It all, you know, works out. We are who we are through and through. Absolutely. I do also want to give a shout out to friend of the pod ads. Um, they followed me on Twitch and I'm just very thankful. I've done two streams now, two, count them two, and I'm probably going to do another one tonight. So yeah, I mean, you you heard the last episode. If you're interested, my name is Pedro Pog. So shout out to ads. Thank you for your support. Love you, ads. Um, as a quick reminder before we do recommendations corner, this will be our last episode of 2022. We are taking two weeks off so that we can have a break. Um, that's it. <laughs> do you want to go first or me? So I'm sure you've seen what I've been sipping on today. This has been a little treat for me since literally high school. I'm recommending, first of all, just the Arizona iced tea brand. I stand by them. They've always come through. But I'm specifically recommending the raspberry iced tea. It is my all-time favorite beverage of theirs. I was an Arnold Palmer girly in the beginning. And then a friend recommended the raspberry tea, and it changed my life. And just recently, I was like, I need a little treat. I need a little something. And I saw one of these at the store. It's been a long time since I bought them because they don't sell them at the convenience stores near my house. I have to like go to uh, Kroger to actually get them. Um, but I got one and it's uh, I'm back on the, the raspberry iced tea train. So that's my recommendation. I love that. I was going to ask you something about it. Oh, I was just going to say, it's so funny to me how, like, every time you hold up a product to the screen, the listeners don't know this, but you put your hand behind it like it's makeup. I'm like, I can see it without that. I just think it's so funny. Like, it's like a YouTube video. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so funny, too, that your recommendation was that because, well, first of all, listeners, I was telling Paige when we first got on that I was <laughs> two minutes before we started recording. Before I called her, I was literally walking around my apartment looking for something to recommend. And mine is also a drink that I just bought this weekend. I mean, I've had different variations of this throughout my life. Um, but this is Great Value French Vanilla Cappuccino. Great Value is the Walmart grocery brand. I think it was literally like $1.37 and it's fucking delicious. And if this sort of thing matters to you, only 170 calories. Which is cheap, cheap. Like, imagine going to Starbucks. You couldn't get anything for that. And it's tasty. So do you put it in, like, a coffee filter and then brew brew it? Or what? you add it to water, it's, like, instant? Or what is it? Yeah, it's instant. It's kind of like hot cocoa, which I obviously do not consume because I don't eat chocolate. So it's, like, a replacement for that. I – that just sparked something in my brain. It You saying hot cocoa and just talking about coffee – I have recently at work discovered we have a Costco sized thing of Swiss Miss hot chocolate mix and I'll put a scoop of it in my mug and then I'll brew my coffee over it. So it's like a homemade mocha. It's freaking delicious. 
You just got another bonus recommendation, people. What more could you ask for? You should try it with your mix, though. Pour your coffee over the cappuccino mix. You know, I might try it. I might. I I went to great lengths in, I think, senior year. No, it was actually after college to um, start drinking my coffee black. It was absolutely fucking terrible for the first month. And now I'm just totally used to it and I don't mind it. But, yeah, I used to be that person who would put, like, as much sugar as there was coffee. That's me right now. <laughs> do what you gotta do. I just, I needed to, I needed to make a change. Make a change, take a chance, break away. Exactly. As our president, Kelly Clarkson, would say. <laughs> um. Okay, so we read chapters, what the fuck did we read? Chapters 29 and 30 of Breaking Dawn this week. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. It's been a long while since, well, I guess that's not true. I was going to say since Stephanie pulled a fast one on me, but the Renesmee thing really threw me for a loop there. Um, But I was not expecting this. This is shocking to me. When I read it, I was shocked. I was not predicting this at all. I know they probably know, but can you clarify what you're talking about? That Alice and Jasper are the defectors. They are the ones who have just left without a trace. I I mean, I remember in the very fucking beginning, I was like, I don't know if I trust Alice and Jasper. I don't know. And I think it was because, like, they were the newest, like, outsiders to come in, you know? And I'm like I'm I'm honestly shocked. I feel like the Cullens right now. My heart is goes out to them. Poor Carlisle, poor Edward. They are heartbroken. And Esme fucking crying, you know? I feel so bad. I like I genuinely don't know. I want to hope that they'll come back, but like I don't know. I really don't know. This it was shocking to me. But I will say I'm <laughs> I won't say the word you hate. I'm intrigued by the the mystery that's unfolding with the clues that Alice has left for Bella. I really wish that Stephanie had put the whole thing in because I would have loved to sleuth on that. I would have loved to see the note and make my own thoughts as to what it could possibly mean. I'm interested to see where it's going to go. I don't really have any ideas yet because Bella didn't really give us much to go with you know she didn't she didn't as the narrator say the address or like she kind of said like "Eh, I didn't really find much when I googled it I wish I, I wish it was printed down so I could look at it and try and figure out what Alice meant so I'm interested to see where that's gonna lead um the other chapter the one the one that's with the the other guys you know um that one was it was pretty good. It was okay. Um, it went about exactly as I thought it was going to go, you know, apprehension at first. And then Renesme shows just how irresistible she is. And there's some hesitancy from the other vampires, but then ultimately they're like, we'll stand with you. We got this. You are, we'll be by your side. Tanya does make a point to say the thing that I brought up last week where she's like, you know, you're kind of asking us to like kill ourselves, right? Like, what you're asking is kind of a lot. So I'm glad that they voiced that because if it was just not brought up, I don't think it would have been very believable for me. Cause that's like the first thing I thought. Um, I'm interested to see how the other, um, you know, 
conversations with other vampires go, but I feel like it's going to be much of the same. I will say I have an interesting new theory about the Volturi and something kind of like awoke in my eyes about the Volturi while reading this chapter that really made me go like, huh, you know, they have a point there. I never thought of it that way. So we can get into that when we get to it. But I, all in all, first chapter, shocked. My jaw literally on the floor, babe. Second chapter, it was like kind of what I was expecting. Okay. Thank you for that summary. I do want to ask a little bit of clarification on the note, because what are you saying that you wish you saw? Just the address? I wish I could have seen what Alice had written down. Like, I want to see the note, you know? It literally was just destroy this and then the address. But it didn't it have the person's name, too? Jay Jenks? Yeah. So it literally says, there next to the feathered edge left by the torn page was a note. Destroy this. Below that was a name and address in Seattle. So you just wanted to see, like, the address? It would have been fake, probably. But but why, though? Like, I, I want to see what Bella saw. And I want to let my mind, like, go over the words and, like, see where, where my thoughts would have gone from it. And the books have had people's handwritten notes in it. So, like, to me, the fact that it was left out, that it wasn't in, was a, was a clue in of itself. What doesn't Stephanie want me to know, you know? Okay, I could see it. Um, I also did not really like, but also kind of had to laugh at the fact that in the same breath that Tanya's like, you're asking us to kill ourselves, she's also like, we deserve it. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't think so, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, that's kind of a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Like, it was kind of your sister. Well, she's saying that they deserve it for not, like, standing with the Cullens against the newborns, but I'm still like, meh. A little dramatic. Yeah, they took them out like very easily, so I just don't understand. I have a question for you. Put yourself in these shoes. You are going up to see a family friend, really, really good family friend with your family. Now, here's here's the kicker. One of the people in in this family that you're going to visit, you have had a huge crush on you really you you want to bone down hard with this person and they've rejected you but you keep trying because you're hot you know why not you get there to discover that they have a child with someone else and you didn't know anything about it you just suddenly are like here's here's my daughter what are your thoughts what's going through your head are you shocked are you disgusted I don't know, because you state it in such terms that, like, it would happen in the real world. But, like, Tanya would never think that it would be possible for Edward to have a child outside of creating an immortal child. And so I feel like that is more shocking than anything else. That's fair. That's fair. I was th I was picturing it, like, not supernatural, I guess. Like, if it was, like, me going to visit, like, an ex or something, and then when I show up, they're there with their partner and also offspring, I'd be like, why did you fucking invite me? I don't want to see this. Yeah, I kind of agree. But also they went to the wedding. Like, and so if you're speaking in a non-supernatural context, like for a lot of people, that's what comes next. It's the next stage in life. First comes love. 
then comes marriage. Then comes baby in a baby carriage. Exactly. Um, last question before we jump into the plot. Did Renesmee creep you out at all in this? Yes, she, uh, she always has. She was born with fucking teeth, dude. <laughs> I know, but something about, I don't know how Stephanie could have written it any differently, but something about her being like, just her like two lines that she had. I was like, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not dangerous. I'm so nice to Sue and Grandpa. I'd never kill anyone. So weird. <laughs> okay. So the la or the chapter starts off, the first chapter starts off where the last one left off. Um, and I have a real issue just right off the bat. Because they all Bella says that they all sit there all night long, except for Jacob who falls asleep, which I have an issue with that as well. Don't worry, I'll get to all my issues. Didn't Alice fucking say to hurry and they just sit there all night? Time is Time has never been more of the fucking essence. Like, I get being shocked, but these are extenuating circumstances. Like, all night, eight hours, really? Right, and all they ever do is, like, brag about how much space they have in their head to think about a million things at once. And so, like, I have also had situations that have happened to me where I've been like, well, I need to lay down for the rest of the day. But I'm not a vampire. Yeah. And, like, people's lives aren't on the fucking line. Right, right, exactly. Transitioning into my next issue. Top of page 555. Jacob was snoring in the corner, a mountain of fur on the floor, twitching anxiously in his sleep. You mean to tell me that a giant wolf that's bigger than a horse is sleeping in Esme's living room? No, ma'am, not today. That would never happen. I'm picturing, I feel like Esme, Esme and I have a lot in common where we both love to entertain, I guess, love to, you know, put on something nice for guests and, you know, be hospitable. I can totally see Esme because she's been nothing but hospitable to the wolves. And so I'm sure she welcomed Jake in, Jacob in like, yeah, come on, take a nap inside. Don't sleep outside, sleep inside. And then now he's made him gone and made himself very comfortable just in his wolf form on the floor. And I'm picturing her standing like in the kitchen, chewing her lip, just like looking at him like, what have I done? This is my own fault. It's doing. <laughs> exactly. Um, I swear... No, I actually can't swear on that. I was going to say, I swear that this will be the last issue I have for a bit, but I, I actually don't know if that's true. Number three. Fucking Bella. Next paragraph, right after that Jacob thing. My eyes had not moved from Edwards since Alice's departure. We'd stared at each other all night. What? Can you... Okay, there's a New York Times test. Like, um, it was just like a study that they did that was like... Based on the hypothesis that if you stare into a stranger's eyes for like two minutes straight, you'll fall in love with them. This is like eight hours. <laughs> it's not possible. People in that study like reported like how fucking terrible and awkward they felt at 30 seconds. Because it's weird. I don't even like making eye contact with people for like the 0.4 seconds you usually do. Yeah, I'm just picturing them sitting on the couch like this wide eyes for eight hours 
And I don't even have to blink, as we've been informed many times. It's it's so weird. It's so weird. Imagine you're just a bystander watching this, like, the thoughts that must be going through your head. Yeah, because she doesn't say Emmett and Rosalie or Carlisle and Esme are doing this stupid-ass shit. They're probably just sitting there minding their own business, reflecting on their impending doom by themselves. Emmett is the only one who, in his head, he's like, why aren't we doing anything? (laughs) But he doesn't say anything because he's scared to rock the boat. (laughs) Okay, so Edward breaks the ice, basically, and is like, uh... Where do you guys think Alice is? And they're all like, oh, fuck. What the fuck? And then for a second, they're like, oh, my God, what if the Volturi, like, sent someone to get her before the fight so that they they could have, like, our most valuable weapon out of the way or whatever? And they're all panicking. They all freak out and run out the house and follow Jasper's Jasper and Alice's trail. And then... All of a sudden, they come across Sam. And this, I'm sorry, this was so corny. How do I want to phrase this? You know that thing in in movies or in TV shows where the villain has someone and they take a really long time explaining things, which ends up inevitably buying the hero time to save the day? That's what this felt like to me. Like, it, it just felt like a way to just waste time. You know, like, there was no need for this. They could have followed the scent to the ocean themselves and been like, well, she's in the ocean. There's nothing we can do now. Like, I, I don't know. It just it felt like a waste of time to me. Yeah, I feel like you nailed it. It was giving how for literally seven books, eight movies, Voldemort could have just pulled a Glock on Harry, but he didn't. <laughs> I I kind of feel like Voldemort doesn't even know that things like that exist. I feel like he should though. <laughs> I um you know like Alice could have easily left the note in the sand on the beach. Like she I feel like she p- particularly never really had a good relationship with the wolves like before her one like little thing with Jacob when Bella was pregnant, it was very anti the wolves for a long time. So it just it to me it feels a little weird that she would go out of her way to contact Sam, who of the wolves, I feel like why would she have a positive relationship with him, you know? Well, in that sense I feel like she would pick the leader but not Jacob, because there's no way Jacob would let her do that. So maybe that kind of makes sense. But Bella even says that. She's like, why didn't... It's in the context of of her being like, why did Alice leave a note in my book? Why didn't she just carve it into a tree? And I'm like, yeah, then she wouldn't have needed Sam at all. I, I mean, I guess Alice does love the theatrics of things, but this doesn't really seem like a situation where she would do... She would want theatrics, you know? Yeah, it's weird to me. So I'm just going to read a little bit to catch up the listeners. Um, so this is Alice's note that she left with with Sam. And she told Sam to 
um, say nothing to Jacob about seeing her until Sam spoke to the Cullens. So the note says, don't look for us. There isn't time to waste. Remember, Tanya, Siobhan, Amun, Alistair, all the nomads you can find. We'll seek out Peter and Charlotte on our way. We're so sorry that we have to leave you this way with no goodbyes or explanations. It's the only way for us. We love you. Cold. Cold world. Cold-blooded. <laughs> okay. So obviously there is mass devastation after this. Everyone is devastated. Sam is kind of rude about it, but also I feel like he has a point where he's like, none of us would have done that. Just saying. <laughs> and then Edward's like, well, we have free will. And I'm like, you both have a point. <laughs> like, there's this is no time to be petty, girls and boys. Yeah, it's like we got bigger fish to fry, but also it was kind of entertaining. So then after they've kind of had their moment of, like, mourning. I mean, they continue to mourn what's going on, but um, they kind of just all have this resolve where Emmett says, I'm not going down without a fight. Alice told us what to do. Let's get it done. And then... Bella says, the others nodded with determined expressions, and I realized that they were banking on whatever chance Alice had given us, that they were not going to give in to hopelessness and wait to die. Bella's struggling with that bit, which is totally relatable to me, because if I don't see a point in something, I won't do it, so I don't even know how I would manage this. And, like, the family has been relying on Alice's visions for so long for so many important things like this. Like, leading up to the fight with the newborn, she keeps saying, like, we're at, like, 85%, you know, success rate. You know, like, they've been relying on her for so long to figure out the right way to do things that for her to do something like this, like, it, I feel like it really would squelch a lot of hope within the family or, like, I don't know. I feel like it. if it were me, I would be in Bella's shoes too you know I'd be like I don't I don't feel real good about this I don't know she must have a reason right exactly like she's the only one who knows how it's gonna turn out and she left I do feel like I still stand by what I said a couple chapters ago that or maybe last chapter that I think that she saw something really bad and she doesn't want to like deal with it and so she left but I'm just like you are able to deal with this trauma before it even happens. You're able to like, I guess, like emotionally remove yourself from the situation. So you don't have to be there for it or be around for the, the fallout of it, I guess. But like a little unfair to do that to the people that you love the most. Like if it's something so bad that you have to leave, it might be nice to, like, let the fam know. I don't know. Like, it just seems so, like, cold to me that she would, like, take what she knows and not give that information out, you know? I don't know if I agree with that. Because, like, let's just say, for example, in her vision, she saw, like, all the colons getting killed. Let's just say that's the example. Like, what good does it do to be like, I saw you all get killed? Like, it doesn't help them. I guess I just like I, to me to like leave. I think it's just the act of leaving for me just feels very selfish, especially because like you have knowledge that they don't have. And like now you're, you've left with it, basically. Like what what are they to do but assume the worst, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that part for sure. 
Yeah. So while they were looking to see where Alice and Jasper's trail went, they noticed that Alice had like a solo trip and then she came back and like reunited with Jasper. And Bella's very curious about it because she noticed that the note that Alice left with Sam was written on her copy of um, The Merchant of Venice by Shakespeare. I've never read that. I'm sure there's similarities because Stephanie loves to do that, but I can't speak to them. When I first read that it was taken from The Merchant of Venice, I thought that it was going to be a note that was like, we got to go. We're doing something undercover. Bye. But then the the mention of Venice was supposed to be a clue that maybe she was going to Italy to talk to the Volturi. I, that's where I thought it was going. But then it was not that at all. Yeah, that's clever, though. I feel like it would have been a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The Merchant of Venice isn't the one with um, Shylock, is it? I truly do not know anything about it. Do you know the one I'm referencing? It's very anti-Semitic. No, I do not. I think the one I'm thinking of is like Midsummer's Dream or something like that. Okay. So... Bella takes the trail and it leads back to her and Edward's cottage. And she's kind of getting the sense that like she needs to do this alone because she's the only one who can keep a secret from Edward because he can't read her thoughts. So she has him stay outside. And then that's when she goes in and finds the aforementioned note that Paige and I were talking about earlier with a name and address in Seattle. I will say I thought that this was well played on Stephanie's part or the editor's part. I don't know who's responsible for this, but bottom of page 563 there next to the feathered edge left by the torn page under the words, the merchant of Venice by William Shakespeare was a note. Then you have to flip the page and right at the top, it just says destroy this centered that like almost gave me chills. I was like, what is this? It got, it got me so excited for like a little secret note, like, well played i will say that was excellent good literary device whatever it is yeah that was very intriguing for sure um bill has this line at the bottom of that next page 564 that i just like i just don't necessarily know if i agree with it or if i think it's true um i'm gonna read it she's talking to edward now when we are on the plane to italy on our way to rescue you she lied to jasper so that he wouldn't come after us she knew that if he faced the Volturi, he would die. She was willing to die herself rather than put him in danger. Willing for me to die too. Willing for you to die. She has her priorities. And I just, I'm like, well, that doesn't really track to me because, like, I feel like it's not like she was sacrificing herself, Edward and Bella. Like, they were already gonna die. Yeah, to me, she was signing herself up. Like, exclusively. <sighs> I mean, I don't think she was signing anyone up. Like, I feel like she was like, this is already in motion. I feel like the only thing that she was doing was saving Jasper, but not at the expense of Bella and Edward because they were already in the shitstorm. Right. Well, I think what, I, what I'm getting at is in involving herself, she is saving Jasper. So, like, that's what she's signing up for is to, like, she, I agree with you that in Bella and Edward's fates are sealed right now. But in her kind of, like, coming with them and, like, leaving Jasper behind, that was her sort of involving herself in order to save Jasper. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. 
Um, they're all just feeling real salty, which I can understand. So Bella and Edward go back to the main house and they're going to be staying behind to basically like introduce Renesmee to anyone that gets sent back um, by the others. So Rosalie and as er, sorry, Rosalie and Emmett are going to get the nomads right. Yep. And then Carlisle and Esme are going elsewhere. Okay, so then everyone's gone and left behind is Bella, Edward, Renesme, and Jacob. And st- speaking of cringe, I was just so like when Edward and Jacob are talking to each other and um, Ed, or Jacob says, Edward, dot, dot, dot. I know, Jake. I know how hard it is to be away from her. This is about your infant child, first of all. And also, I don't know, even just now it made my skin crawl. It's so out of character. Like, it's just not how they would talk to each other. I don't like the friends. I, like, I don't like that these enemies to love it's not any enemies to lovers it's like (laughs) Emily just gave like a well kind of a look it's not enemies to lovers in the sense of like we're sharing a bed together tonight but like they did go from enemies to like compadres I guess like close close personal friends um I liked it more when they hated each other (laughs) Me too. I guess what I was getting at with that expression that I made is, like, there's weird sexual tension. Maybe I'm just imagining it, but I feel like there is. It's the only thing that Stephanie would give us a taste of in any, 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 any queer inklings. It's the only thing that she'll give us. Yeah. Crumbs. Some scraps, morsels. Crumbs that aren't even good. They're like trash crumbs. It's like when you're measuring out your rice and like two dry grains end up on the counter. That's what she's left. That's so relatable. That happens to me every time. <laughs> okay. Um, so their conversation is basically Edward telling Jacob that he needs to like, like he can stick around, but like he needs to not be in his wolf form because he might just like complicate things and make it harder for anyone who's going to be coming to visit them to like want to be on their side. I popped off to Jacob about this. So I'm curious to see what your thoughts were because he he was um, completely in alignment with me. I just, (laughs) did it never occur to these people that they were gonna have to introduce Renesmee at some point. Like, they're close as family with these people, quote unquote. I don't really fucking believe that. But it's like, she exists. Like, and it's so weird that they didn't. I know, like, we talked about this last time and you were like, well, stuff has been crazy. Like, they haven't told, they haven't told uh, the Denali's about this whole thing because it's just been so crazy. But I'm like, they knew it was inevitable. Like, what was their plan? Like, it never crossed their mind. That someone, not even the Denali's, literally anyone, would see Renesmee and be like, what the fuck? Like, it never occurred to them. I feel like they've been living on this little bubble of bliss for, like, the past three months, I guess, where, like, 
yeah, everything's been perfect and amazing and there's no conflict and everything's working out for us that like no one stopped to consider like the bubble will burst at some point. Like even if it's even if it's not bad, it can't be like this forever. It can't be perfect and no one knows and that's it forever. I didn't even think about that until you brought it up. Like, yeah, inevitably you guys are fucking immortal as if you're never going to see each other again. Like, come on. I guess maybe, like, now that I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, maybe their theory was to wait until Renesmee was, like, done growing. But they're also afraid that she's going to die. You know? It's, you know, everyone was just so shocked about her existence even being a thing that no one stopped to, like, have a logical thought. That's not new in these books, but yes. Yes. Re-listening to the episode where we talk about the car scene. Oh, boy. It was so good. <laughs> I do want to hear if you have any theories about Jay Jenks or Jason Jenks or what this whole thing that Alice decided to leave for Bella. So when she Googles Jay Jenks, pulls up Jason Jenks, who's a lawyer in Seattle, which like, OK, we're in the right city so maybe that's something um maybe she was trying to because the way that this chapter ends Bella kind of is saying like she has to mean something and maybe maybe her meaning is for me to in some way save Renesmee maybe this is what her goal is is to get Renesmee out so I'm like well maybe he's a lawyer so like he can like protect Renesmee in some way or like legally get Renesmee somewhere but then the address not even being real kind of like threw a wrench into all of my ideas because for the address to not even pull anything up it's clearly some kind of like code or it's it's meant to be something else it's not what it's what Bella maybe Bella did something wrong who knows maybe Bella misinterpreted or misread I don't know but my first thought was like oh he's a lawyer maybe he can help with something like that but I I thought maybe like maybe it's some kind of coordinates to where Alice is like where they're going but I again we don't see the address so I don't really know what what that code would be Honestly, all of the ideas I had don't seem logical to me. Like, the more I think about that, I'm like, eh, I don't think so. I don't think it's that. So I don't really have anything, like, too fleshed out idea-wise. I, you know, I blame Stephanie for not letting me see the fucking address. (laughs) It would have had a clue. (laughs) Okay, well, Paige also did a great job of summing up what Bella is doing here um, at the end of this chapter. She, you know, she's looking into this thing that Alice left her. She's not really finding anything. And then her and Renesmee have this sad moment because Renesmee is confused that Alice is gone. Bella's thinking about, you know, like how they're all in danger and how her daughter's going to die. And she's just thinking about like, she is now Bella's number one priority which is interesting because Edward has always been her number one priority. So um, not saying it's like, doesn't make sense. It makes total sense, but it's just, rec- it acknowledges a shift in just Bella and how she's changed with motherhood. So I'm going to read the last paragraph of this chapter, page 571. 
If there was nothing else I could do, I would still save my Renesmee. I was more positive than ever that this was what Alice would give me. She would know. She would have left me away. So, yeah. I will. I do have one thing to point out. It's also on the same page leading up to this moment that I thought was interesting. Um, just a couple paragraphs above that. Renesmee pulled back to look at me, and I saw my face mirrored in her thoughts and in her eyes. I looked like Esme had this morning, so this is what it felt like to cry. Renesmee's eyes glistened wetly as she watched my face. She stroked my face, showing me nothing, just trying to soothe me. I never thought to see the mother-daughter bond reverse between us the way it had always been for Renee and me, but I hadn't had a very clear view of the future. A tear welled up on the edge of Renesmee's eyes. I wiped it away with a kiss. She touched her eye in amazement and then looked at the wetness on her fingertip. I just, you don't, you wouldn't think that Bella would find a way to compare herself as a mother to Renee. Like, all in the beginning, and I mean, even in this book, I, Renee is just not the motherly figure that you want to have. Um, we've been dragging her since day one. For Bella to compare herself to her, I think is like, a little harsh on her on her end but I like that immediately it's like reversed back you know like she has this she's like I never thought I'd be comparing myself but then it's like immediately like that's not what's happening right now the comparison that you're doing is like not warranted you know this this relationship that you two have is very different from the relationship that you had with Renee so like I think she's holding herself like to a very high stand, like sh she's she's not giving herself more credit. And I think I'm really glad that, you know, Renesmee was there to like share this pain and grief with her. And like, she was there to comfort Renesmee and Renesmee was also there to comfort her. It wasn't one-sided like Bellis described it as, you know, I, I thought it was just an interesting, like you would have never thought that Bella would compare herself to her mother like that. I think also you would have never thought that Bella would, have a daughter and be a mother like it's kind of like a, a whole thing that wasn't really expected in this in this book but I don't know it's just like I kind of forgot about Renee so <laughs> bringing her back up was just in in that way was interesting to me yeah your kind of your last point was what I was going to say is, is like I agree with you she's being too hard on herself and then I was thinking about how while you were talking I was like well like it'd be so bizarre because like she had never wanted to be a mother. And beyond that, she had never thought that she even could, that it was physically possible. And then when she did get pregnant, she had, what, like three weeks to get used to the idea of being a mother, which was previously impossible to her. So, like, and she's young. She's only 19, you know? So it's like, I feel like she is being too hard on herself for, like, having a moment of weakness around her child. But it's like, you should actually have more of those. That's a separate psychology discussion, but it's good for you to be vulnerable with your children. But anyways, I also think she's being too hard on herself. Okay, did you have anything else from that chapter? I don't have anything else from this chapter, but I do have something to bring up that I just, it would just be hilarious to me. I've been thinking about it in listening to past episodes. So another character that I had kind of completely forgotten about, Mike Newton, um, would it not just tickle you pink? Would it just not be hilarious 
if Bella turned into a vampire and then she goes to interact with Mike and the way that Edward viewed Bella as a human, like the most delicious smell she'd, he'd ever had. Oh my God, I'm so tempted. What if Mike Newton was that to Bella? That would be so funny to me. <laughs> God, that makes me want to jump into the sun. I'm sure there's a fan fiction out there. <laughs> there's a fanfic for anything. Exactly. You go ahead and find that and don't share it with me when you find it. I don't want to. (laughs) Okay, so chapter 30, Irresistible. It's basically, the summary of this is sex and then the Denali clan. Because once again, Bella pops off about how her and Edward are having great sex because they only have a month left to do it. Okay, moving on. Um, before the Denali clan shows up, Edward and Bella have this interesting conversation about the Volturi, and it's primarily about Alec, who we've debated on this before. They call, they have called Alec Jane's twin, or like they're the the evil twins or whatever, but I don't know if they're actually related. doesn't really matter, but he has a gift, as Edward explains, to basically create numbness in multiple people like um not just numbness but complete sensory deprivation like you wouldn't feel hear or see anything and then they do it sometimes as like um a show of mercy before they execute people what did you think about this scary like (laughs) it it makes me think of you know the world that squidward gets sent to when he's in the time machine that's like all white and it's like, hello, hello, hello. I'm picturing that world is like where you go when Alec is doing whatever he does to you. That shit, I know it's a trend on TikTok right now of like altered my brain chemistry. No, that scene literally terrified me. Like I had nightmares about it. Yeah, it's just like, a, like completely closed off from everything. Like how terrifying, so scary. Yeah, but also maybe a little bit better than being ripped apart. I don't know. I I could see it being a mercy if your fate is to be brutally executed by the Volturi. I don't like it, but it, I could see why it's considered that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of two bad choices. Neither of them are good. Yeah, I'm not interested in meeting either of these people, to be honest. Me neither. I also do got to say, like, it's brave, but also I think extremely naive, the plotting that Bella is doing here, because she's assuming that Alex's gift won't work on her, which I feel like is a safe assumption. But she's like, okay, so I take him out, and then I take Jane out, and then maybe after that, Dimitri. And I'm like, I don't know, sis. Like, what are the other military doing while you're doing all this? Yeah, it's a little um, biting off a little more than you can chew sort of a situation. It's ambitious. I'll give her that. (laughs) Bella's an overachiever. True, true. Edward is like aghast at the idea, even though Bella doesn't really share much with him, but he's aghast at the idea of like teaching her how to fight, but he agrees to do so because he doesn't want her to be defenseless. And then he also makes a note that he wants to kill Dimitri, who's like their tracker, so that Alice can be free. Like, since she left, he won't be able to track her if he's dead. Yeah, I kind of forgot what Dimitri's powers were um, 
until that point. And, you know, it's it's kind that Edward would do this one final good deed for his... I, I feel like Edward and Alice have a relationship that is, Edward doesn't have with other members of the family. I feel like they were very, very close. So, you know, even if he feels hurt and betrayed, like, for him to do this one kind thing for her, like, it shows good character on his part. I agree. Yeah. It makes me sad. Um, then we find out that Eleazar was a member of the Volturi Guard, um, but he ended up leaving, and now he lives with the Denali clan, um, so that's why they... So when Alice left, she said, talk to Eleazar, there's more to this than an immortal child. And so they are, they do talk to him in this chapter. We don't get anywhere with it, though, because he's, like, so deep in thought about, like, what's going on. So do you have any thoughts around that, like, what they could be talking about? So this ties into my earlier point about my thought, my new thoughts on the Volturi and what this all might be. So kind of towards the bottom of page 580, um, they're talking about Eleazar leaving and Bella's like, he, they just let him leave like that. Like, I, I can't believe they do that. And Edward says, the Volturi aren't supposed to be the villains the way they seem to you. They are the foundation of our peace and civilization. Each member of the guard chooses to serve them. It's quite prestigious. They all are proud to be there, not forced to be there. And it really made me stop and think about like what the Volturi have done and that we know of, you know, like that has been revealed to the reader. And yes, obviously they're vampires, they're killing people. That's not great. What they've done though to the other vampires, if you think about it, they are keeping this peace or keeping this the sanctity, the secrecy of vampirism and making sure that like they everyone within the vampire community can continue to just do their thing and not be bothered and like yeah not great for humans it's not great but like they are kind of like not necessarily villains to other vampires if you're if you're just minding your business hunting a human here and there you know not causing a scene they're not going to have an issue with you you know and so it really made me see like yeah, we've really only been seeing them through Bella's eyes. So, you know, she is a biased person. She's going to view them as villains. So we as the readers are to interpret them as villains. So reading this was like, huh, would you, would you look at that? I never thought of it that way. But then I was like, so if they're not villains, like if they're not necessarily like the villains, why are they the villains now? Why, like, what uh, what about the situation? Like, how are they going to be antagonists? And when when this all happened, when the other vampires show up and Renesme has this amazing time with them, I cannot remember who it was, but someone someone says something to the extent of like, like, she really is irresistible. She she was so, so easily she swayed us to to love her. Like, it's so easy to love her and be with you guys and be on your side. I don't know if they worded it exactly like that. I think it was she made it so easy to to love her. Basically, She, she made it so easy to feel comforted, you know, and I was like, this is it. 
This is the whole thing. Arrow fucking wants her to like, as a, a power move. He, I think that, I think that they're going to talk with Eleazar and he's going to say like, yeah, like Arrow wants, like Arrow has this, perhaps this no he wants power. Maybe, maybe Eleazar is going to reveal like this whole plot that the Volturi are like going to try and like seize control of so the human world, or I don't know, like they're just, they're, they're going to, they're going to need Renesme to win people over. That's why they want Renesme is to like find, get it, people to love them and be on their side more willingly. And I think that's why they're bringing the whole family is like, we need her. She is the key to this entire plan. So like we need to bring everyone to make sure that we get this to achieve our goal. So that's my new hypothesis as to what is happening. That's very interesting. I like it. So question then, are they still going, like, do you think they're still going to destroy the colons? I think that he will again extend an offer perhaps to those with gifts that Arrow will extend an offer to those with gifts that he sees worthwhile to him. Um, And I'm going to suspect that everyone is going to say no. And then after that, he's going to be like, well, it's going to be a shame because he was going to kill Edward. He was ready to kill him. He felt bad that he he would lose such a such an asset to his team. But he was going to kill Edward. I think he's going to offer the choice to join. And if they say no, then he'll kill them. Okay, so then you you were kind of saying that they're just rule enforcers, they're not villains. So going with this theory of yours, like how can they justifiably not destroy Renesme in enforcing the rule that she should have never been created? Well, I think that this is going to be like a game changer. I think that like the rules perhaps are going to be thrown out the window here that like, could, because I like I'm trying to to think what is what does he need Renesmee for to win people over why does he want to win people over perhaps he's buying for more power perhaps he's trying to extend his rule farther than what it is now so to me that kind of throws out what's already been established so like they are no longer maybe going to be the rule enforcers they're just going to be enforcers they're going to be like the the all-powerful people in charge Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And it's diabolical. I love it. It's, and I mean, that only works if like my theory is completely correct, you know, like if everything lines up. So it might be very wrong because I've got it all completely wrong. But to me, I'm like, I, what the Volturi have to want more than just killing Renesme. Like, I feel like it's there. There has to be more to the story because why would Ella, Alice be so cryptic? Why would she say there's more to the story? You know, talk to Eleazar. Clearly, there's something else going on, and Eleazar has insider information. He was in the Volturi, so he probably knows like what Arrow's motivations are, what he's up to, what he could possibly be up to. You know, so I think it's just going to be like there's more to the story that we don't know. If there's one thing I love about you, and there are many things, it's that you commit to your theories. You say them confidently. And some some of them are right, and some of them are not. But I like it. 
I it could possibly be all the Nancy Drew that I played. You know, I love a mystery. I love unlocking the clues. And also, I think one thing I think that I'm good at is reading people and sussing out perhaps motivations. And now, granted, these are fictional people and I can't like see them. I'm only getting their point of view from Bella. But I still stand by it that something's fishy here. Something's a fish. And I, I'm i going to find out what it is. <laughs> All right. I mean, you're definitely going to find out what it is, one way or another. One way or another, I'm going to find you. I'm going to get you, get you, get you, get you. <laughs> okay. So Tanya and the others show up. We've basically already covered what happens here. Um, first of all, why'd they take your car? <laughs> like, I don't understand, but whatever. I am really picturing Eleazar specifically is like 400 years old because who the fuck is named Eleazar? You know, like that's an old, old name, you know? So I, why, why are they in a car? You don't need a car. I, it doesn't make sense. I just like the idea of like road trip. <laughs> what snacks? What what do you think? What would you place as their road trip snacks? I don't know why, because they this doesn't make sense. But I the immediate thought that came to my head was Beatles. I was thinking Slim Jim. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so. Edward talks a little bit, and then Bella brings Renesmee out, and they freak out. Tony's like, I gotta get out of here, which is, like, very indicative of how serious, like, the immortal child thing is. I will say, <laughs> if me and three of my closest friends rolled up to a house party with a couple of our other close friends, and all the people we were excited to see are not there, and two of our friends bring out a newborn baby. I think I'd have a similar reaction. Like, I gotta go. Sorry, this is not the day that I signed up for. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's so relatable. <laughs> um, eventually, as Paige already explained, they come around because all Renesmee has to do is touch them and show them her story, and then they automatically believe her, which felt a little too good to be true, but we're we're not privy to what's being shown to them, so... This is what I had to envision because I was thinking like, I mean, what, what could she possibly be showing them? Like I, what, what could she be showing them that would tell them she's telling the truth 100%. So what I viewed her showing was her literal birth, her coming out of Bella's womb and then seeing Bella, like you see like what Bella fucking looked like mangled you know and like she's clearly human still she looks different than she does now so like clearly it was a live birth and it was Bella giving birth and she resembles Edward like it had to be the birth for me that she was showing yeah I mean I feel like that's a solid theory and I'm dead at the idea that like now all these vampires have to <laughs> relive the trauma of that scene over and over <laughs> Here's a question for you. I don't know if this is something that only my mom did. It can't be something only my mom did because there was a television show about it. But like on Sunday mornings on like TLC, 
at like five o'clock in the morning, they would play these like birth story shows where it was like a 39 week pregnant woman and like her last week of being pregnant and then her giving birth and then the baby. And it was like, that's it. That's the whole episode. Different pregnant woman each episode. Did your mom ever watch those? Yes, you are literally unlocking a memory for me, and now I have to know what it was called. I'm looking. Like birth story. It was called a baby story. That's what it is. Get a load of this. Thirteen seasons. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's one of those things where you're always gonna have content. Yeah. I mean, listeners, if you're looking for something to watch over the new year, I'm sure that's streaming somewhere. I will say this. If I'm giving birth in a hospital, the last person I want in the room is a video production team. I don't know. Same, but also if they offered to pay for everything, I'd be like, all right, that's fine. (laughs) Okay, I guess that's fair. I'm just like somewhere out there, they have all of the unpixelated footage. And it's like, I don't know if I want the learning company to have a video of my um my little little bitty lady being ripped asunder today i learned that tlc stands for the learning company oh, it might be the learning channel either way i didn't know i just figured it was tender love care you thought um okay so all of the denali's are i that, i shouldn't call them that because that's just where they live it's not their last name all of the Denali clan are convinced by Renesme. And, you know, Bella has that whole thing about Renesme is really irresistible. Blah, blah, blah. And we already talked about how Tanya's, Tanya was like, you know, telling them that we'll absolutely stand by you. I like that she says, we will think about what else we might do. I'm like, what do you got to think about? Either you're going to fight or you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and then Eliezer is deeply lost in thought at the end of this chapter about what else could be going on. I'm trying to see if I forgot anything else. They're very, very upset that Irina was the one to turn them in. Um, Tanya says, no matter what she thought, you are our family. So, yeah. And then Renesme has this horrible moment where um, she talks, like, kind of for no reason. Like, nobody asked. But she says, I'm not dangerous at all. I never hurt Grandpa or Sue or Billy. I love humans and wolf people like my Jacob. Wolf people! I... (laughs) I cannot... I'm picturing all of the vampires... Because they've only communicated with her via this, like, touch thing. So now she's, like, speaking in whole... I'm going to cut you off there because she does talk to them before that. Oh. She she says something like, I can show you or, or let me show you or something like that. But still. Still, even if it was that, speaking in a whole ass sentence, correct grammar. I'm sure I'm sure she sounded professional like an adult. I feel like they would all be the eye mouth eye emoji, you know? <laughs> totally. I know I would be. <laughs> Anyways, that's about it. I'll read... Kind of the last three paragraphs. It ends on a real bummer note, but I kind of don't blame Bella. But here come here come the last three paragraphs. It was like it had been with Charlie and before that with all the Collins. Renesmee was irresistible. 
What was it about her that drew everyone to her that made them willing even to pledge their lives in her defense? For a moment, I thought that maybe what we were attempting might be possible. Maybe Renesme could do the impossible and win over our enemies as she had our friends. And then I remember that Alice had left us and my hope vanished as quickly as it had appeared. <laughs> wop, wop, wop. It's giving that that story that Patrick tells SpongeBob. He was like, once there, I forget what the creature is, but he's like, once there was a man, he was so ugly that everyone died. The end. <laughs> uh, did you have anything I skipped over? One, one teeny tiny thing on page 589 at the very top, Carmen calls Renesbe mi querida. And I didn't know what that was. So I looked it up and it means my mistress, my little mistress. Oh, I always thought that meant sweetheart. I feel like that's what it means colloquial, colloquially. It could be that, that totally. My mistress, that's so funny. <laughs> okay, well, as we had said, we're going to be taking a couple of weeks off. So our next episode will be out on January 10th. And for that episode, we are going to be reading the next two chapters, chapters 31 and 32. 31 is called Talented and 32 is called Company. What are your predictions for our first episode of the new year? So I feel like Talented is probably going to be a bigger conversation with Eleazar about, because that's like his, his talent is sussing out the talents of others. So I think maybe this will be a conversation about the Volturi in general, what's to be expected, or just maybe other vampires who have talents and maybe it will expand on what Alice hinted at, that it's more than just the, the, I almost said the cursed child, that's Harry Potter, um, the immortal children thing. So I think it's going to be an Eleazar focused chapter company. I think there's going to be a lot of vampires at the house. Maybe we're going to fast forward a little bit in time and it's going to be a lot of vampires at the, the Collins house, just chilling a little vampire party, perhaps we'll see. That would be the worst kind of company, too, because I feel like whenever you're staying at someone's house that you don't really know that well, the the time when you can just kind of like unwind and let your hair down is like when you go to bed and they don't do that. Yeah, it's true. And like, you know, their house is big, but there's only so big and they can all hear everything and smell everything. And it's like there's like no privacy whatsoever. <laughs> I was just going to say, Edward and Bella, I am begging you to lay off the sex. For just a little bit. Emily, this is their last month being alive. You can't, you cannot restrict them. Well, it's everyone else's last month being alive too, but you don't see them having loud ass sex. Well, they don't have main character energy. True. They're just not as in love as Belle and Edward. Duh. We're not like the other couples. <laughs> okay, well... Thanks, y'all, for this is just like kind of sentimental. Another year of listening to us, or even if you're new, thanks for tuning in. Um, excited to see what happens next in Breaking Dawn. I do believe it is my turn on the socials. So as we're on this kind of extended break, we would love to hear from y'all. You know, it will be a while that you hear from us. So, you know, you can stay in contact with us on all of our social platforms. So you can Find us on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays Are for Twilight. You can find us on Twitter at Taft Pod, T-A-F-T Pod. You can also send us an email 
at TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. And then at the end of Breaking Dawn, we will be having a watch party for the second movie. And one way to get into that is to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash TuesdaysAreForTwilight. We also welcome any donors to the Quileute Move to Higher Ground movement, um, and that's their efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground out of the flood zone. And you can find more information about that and donate to them at mthg.org. The last one of the year, page better be good. She's already laughing. I'm scared. <laughs> These are words that I stand by. Anytime you say that, I'm like, here we go. <laughs> Jones barbecue and foot massage. Jones barbecue and foot massage. I think that one's over my head. You've never seen that video? No. Okay, wait, hold on. <laughs> this is going to be live. This is going to be on air. This went around Tumblr, I feel like. I, I learned about it on Tumblr and heard it. So I just typed Jones and the letter B. <laughs> it's the first thing that pops up. that it makes me want to like quit my job in marketing because I will never reach a marketing level that that guy had. Incredible. No notes. And on that note, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We'll see you on January 10th. Bye, y'all. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. Mm-hmm.